Hi, I'm Michael Turton, and I'm here today with Mark Calton Hill, longtime resident of Taiwan, writer, comedian, singer, and general all-around talented guy. Can I just interrupt? Yes, you can interrupt. <laughs> I don't sing. <laughs> I mean, I have. Okay, I'm trying to be I'm nice. I've heard you sing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad singer. <laughs> so, Mark's been writing a column for how long now for the Taipei Times? Uh, almost a couple of months. A couple of months. So you've got seven or eight down now? Something like that. Was, I was on probation. For, so <laughs> I just started with the logo and uh, my, uh, he writes... Oh, he bikes, he writes, he writes about bikes. Oh, intro then. so kind of the Dr. Zeus column? Or? That's yeah, the second <laughs> person who said that. <laughs> hey, I'm a poet as well as a non-singer. Singer. So what is this? Uh, Where am I from saying singer? Singer. I don't know. You know, we have two G's in the middle of that in Manchester. Ah, so you started writing a column on biking for the Taipei Times a couple of months ago. What kinds of things do you write about? Well, it uh, started, I pitched an article to the feature section about a small back of a back street workshop where they customize bikes. They grew out of the fixie scene when that died, he moved on to, oh, sure. to other stuff. Yeah. Uh, neat couple down there that do that. And when I was talking to them, they kept saying, oh, you got to go and talk to so-and-so. They do the naked bike ride and you got to go and talk to so-and-so. They uh, do the free coffee on Fridays for uh, to try and encourage commuting in Taipei uh -huh. and, and then I then I met an, uh, went into a bike shop met an, another guy and he put me onto the the whole criterium thing that's kicking off in Taipei oh yeah yeah that was launched so I the photograph in the newspapers look at the photograph from the start of that there's uh, Ko Wencher and right behind him there's me <laughs> <laughs> because I'm taller than everybody else right right and also I, was just, I just happened to be talking to this this guy uh Jiang Shankai, uh -huh. uh, an old biking guy here, and he said, Mark, come talk to me, come talk to me. And he's like right in the front row. So, <laughs> my claim to freight thing. So, I've, I've read some of them, and, and there's a lot of Taiwan history in there. What kind of stuff do you like I doing? Do, you know, I'm not really writing about biking, I'm using biking as an excuse to talk yeah, about anything. Yeah, I used so, to do that on the blog. Yeah. So, yeah. last week was. Uh, I was taking a ride around Hualien, and I cut up some back street, and it was all the Turoko Truku. Aboriginal people. Sure. And so my article is about, you know, if you want to learn about Aboriginal culture, you don't need to go to the museums and watch the singing and dancing. Just take a wrong turn in the back streets anywhere and you'll see them killing pigs and sharing the meat out. And yeah, yeah, up in the mountains. They're not in the mountains. No, this is like uh, two kilometers from downtown Hualia. <laughs> in the city. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I rode up to Xinjiang. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then cut along the, the, the county number five road. And it right. just cuts back through all those Jiawen and Jingmei and Guofu. And yeah, yeah, they're villages. all tiny little communities yeah. there. Yeah. On the other side, too, along the 193, and then there's some back... The 193, the is that Aboriginal? I thought that was mostly... That goes along the coast. Yeah. But there's a little road that goes behind the, uh, the Asia Cement plant. And there's about three or four communities along that road. And one of them has a, uh, a croquet court. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not what you'd expect to see out there. Yeah. So that, I mean, even that, that Asia cement plant, they, that's supposed to be on Turoko land. Yeah, right? it's on Turoko land, yeah. And they want it back. Yeah. Well, they put that thing in there and they, and they basically, they, there was like a window where they could put stuff on Aboriginal land even though they weren't supposed to. There was like this nine or ten year window and now they're grandfathered in and they can't go. They produced 90% of the island's cement. Yeah. The domestically produced cement, I should, I should be clear on that. A lot of it's imported now. So uh, a lot of the gravel anyway and other stuff. So they can't get rid, they can't shut it down. It's, it's integral to Taiwan's local political economy, cement. 
Anyway, back to the topic. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for any excuse to talk about any shit that I want, <laughs> any stuff that I'd like to talk about. So uh, I, I did a, a ride up the East Coast just to uh -huh. talk about how the new roads, the new uh, Suhua guy has made cycling the East Coast a lot more bearable. Really? Yeah. You mean the Suha Highway between where? Suha and Suhao. And it's because uh, if you go on, if you go on the the uh, tourism bureau website about riding around the island, you know, yeah. Huandao, yeah, and they they get to that section and say this is the easiest day. Oh, really? Because it's got like the four climbs. You're going to climb about 1,200 meters that day. <laughs> you're going like to go through all those yeah. tunnels. Yeah. And it says this is the easiest day. You take the train from Xinjiang to <laughs> Suhao. <laughs> <laughs> I met some people yesterday. They were just finishing that around the island. I said, "Oh, which was your best day?" And they they were like, uh, "Well, maybe around Taitong." I said, "Did you not like the Hualien Suhao section with the you know the Qingshui cliffs and that?" And they're going, "Oh no, we took the train." Yeah. So most people do take the train. But I always used to, I mean, the, the tunnels, people be behave themselves. I mean, drivers in tunnels are kind of totally focused. They're not switching lanes and they're not. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. I've never really bothered about them. But people, oh, the tunnel's so scary. I hate them. <laughs> they are scary. <laughs> they're not. I have a big flag on the back of my bike. Well, that's why. Dancing yeah. about. <laughs> so wait, you took the new highway then on a bike? No, no, no. Most uh, you can't have the new I was going to say, so, but a lot of the traffic takes it. So the old road ah is better now. Is a lot better because ah. there's a lot less, less traffic. Even on the it. gravel the, trucks take it. Uh, there's some of those still. I mean, uh, in bits you share the nine and the nine ding. Yeah, it's together, but most of it's separate. Wow, that's mm. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's much improved. So you're going to ride it now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you hadn't. The views aren't as good as they were back in the 90s before they put in all those tunnels. Right? I mean, in the 90s, you had to go around the cliffs. And right. Of course you, you still had some staggering views. You still have a choice places. at some, yeah. Yeah. And you still get the Qingshui cliffs. And that. You can yeah. still walk out on those old roads there, but a lot of them are dangerous now. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever go past the radar station? I Take the, the long, the, the first, I think it's by Nanao. Uh, when you come out of Nanao, you, you start that long climb. You're going north of this thing? Yeah. And then yeah. you can go off to the side past the radar station. Oh, no. Oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah. Nanao's a, a fun place. I yeah. Like, I like there's a lot going on there. Yeah. History wise. Well, if you read my article, you know, I mention a bit of that stuff. You don't really think I did that, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you on these podcasts before. Right? <laughs> I know where it's at. Um, but I, actually, the next section, because I'm going to do for the column now that it's uh, past probation, I'm going to do a section of the round uh, island ride, the mm -hmm. Huandao, uh, every month, one section, and write what the tourism bureau doesn't let you do. Right, right. <laughs> but I think that section after Suao, the bit where you come around the coast to Geelong. Uh -huh. and, yeah. Uh, B, B, B on the toes, two? B Is it the two already? I think it's then? a two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's two away from Suao, right? Yeah. The coast road. I think that's just as nice, just as pretty some of those. Seriously? You don't, you've, you've ridden it? Yeah. So that's pretty. I've ridden on the coast road. I know I don't think it's pretty. I think it's crowded and... And people are right on weekends. I'm spoiled, you know. I, I just go out to Miali and I'm in the hills and there's nobody there. Okay, except that, the old that farmers back who are yelling at you. That's, I thought, you know, preparing to speak today is going to go, oh, what's your favorite ride or something like this. And I just think I'm blessed. You ride out southeast from Taipei. You know, we go through the graveyard, the food yeah. graveyard, and then there's Muja on the right and there's Nangang, Nangang on the left. Yeah. And you just keep going out there. Every time I ride there, I'm just like, oh, I'm so blessed living here. You're in the, in the hills, you know, good three, four hundred meter climbs. Yeah, it's beautiful. Great views. It's just green and green and green. And you could just imagine it going on like that all the way. To There's even tea up there if you go further up. Yep. Like Ping Lin yeah. and Ping Shi up there. Yeah. You don't even have to get that far. I mean, the, that Nangang, they're promoting the tea there as well. Oh, really? And that, that's one article I did was the, the Luku incident. Mm -hmm. 
Um, That's the recent one. What was no, the Luku incident? I bet a lot of people don't know about that. Yeah, me too, since I forget everything I've written about it. <laughs> Today, all I'm thinking about is the next article. Okay, so a couple, I mean, it was all a bit of mining and a bit of uh, tea growing mm -hmm. um, in the hills. What were they mining up there? Coal? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And it was between Xijia and Shiding, uh -huh. that section there. Yeah. And there was like three roads go up there, one from Nangang, one from Xijia, and one from Shiding. And I guess 50, 60 years ago, it was a back of beyond. And a couple of local boys got into a little communist theory or something. Mm -hmm. A little naive that Chiang Kai-shek was going to let that pass. Right. Sent 10,000 soldiers up there. And, and shot a lot of people? Uh, well, tortured a bunch. Oh, okay. And uh, 38, I think, sentenced to death. Jesus. And it was like, the, it's a, supposedly the biggest single incident. That was uh, 1952, was it? I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's... So, again, this is an excuse for writing the articles just to bring in a bit of history and a bit of culture and stuff. So. Well, it's the kind of thing that you can do on a bike that really, when you're on a car, you just zoom past it and your yeah. bikes are so immersive. Bikes I, are the, just the right speed. Yeah. And you notice that all the time when I'm biking on the coast, there'll be like some random historical plaque. You know, and you can stop and read yeah, it yeah. and you can get a little bit of, hey, they moved this temple. It was over here and now it's this family's temple. And you, it's local history stuff. And it's really fascinating. You know, these little pieces of history yeah, that, yeah, you, that you can put together to figure out what happened over in this place. There's one I keep meaning to, to stop at. I haven't yet. There's, I don't know if you've written up the Herping East Road and what it used to be called something else. And the one that goes through the tunnel and down to the, down to the zoo. When you carry on from herping, yeah, I, uh, yeah, oh, I've there's a weird that, statue of a, of a little it. girl sitting on a chair, a kind of bronze statue going up there. That I really need to check out. Yes, well, <laughs> some of this bizarre stuff. <laughs> and then you take like on the Wulai Road, there's some like military guy just in the bushes there. <laughs> I mean, you could stop all the time. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the excuse. And then so that's every. Four or five weeks, I'll do. Well, I'm going to do one that's a section of the Round Island Ride, mm -hmm. and one that's another ride that's introduced by people. I mean, I hope I'll be down Taichung, and you can show me. Yeah, I can show you some good stuff out of Miaoli. There's some really great stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, and and so that'll be a couple of months, and then I'm interviewing people about stuff like that. That ex-champion rider I mentioned, Jiang, um, uh -huh, he was like sure. the 1980s. He was the road champion of of Taiwan. Wow! And he his best race he ever did was winning the Hong Kong. Uh, tour to Hong Kong or whatever they call it yeah. uh, which only ran for one year so he's perpetually the <laughs> champion apparently <laughs> anyway his kids are now uh, champion triathletes and road racers mm -hmm. and his father got into it subsequent to him and his dad was against him doing it in the first place apparently Lovely. but uh, uh, eventually got, it, got into it and got in his elderly age got it like uh, age group champion and he but he, in those days no one did you know like now you speak to people uh what have you done? Have you done the Round Island? Have you done the Wuling? Have you done the this, that, and the other? Yeah. And apparently that wasn't a thing. No, it, it, after the movie Island Etude, the Round the Island thing became yeah, part of the, the new emerging Taiwan well. identity. So the story is, I'm not sure how much I buy into Jiang's story, but he said, you know, his father uh, said he had three ambitions. One was to do the Round Island, one was to do, I forget what, and the third one was to get up to Wuling. I think oh, yeah. Ali Shan maybe was the other one or something. And he'd done two of them and then he had a stroke when he was like 80 something. Ah, oh, damn, that's too bad. And so they strapped a wheelchair to the back of a bike and pulled him up to the top of Wuling. <laughs> For those who don't know, that's the highest road in Taiwan at like 3275 meters. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the king of the mountains here. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyway, so that was an early story I did. And, uh, 
So just interviewing people about stuff. I've interviewed a French guy that works in Decathlon. He rode from France. Oh to yeah. Taiwan. There's a group of them here. Yeah. They a group of French riders. I guess they practice on the on the west coast where I am. They're based in Taichung. I remember hearing this. Because the ultimate guy is the one I'm actually writing about today is Bryce Benson. I don't know. He won the biking man last year and he's, he's the first guy in Taiwan to have Everested, which is to ride the height of Everest on a single hill. Um, which hill did he do? Go he's done three. He did one he, he, in the, can I swear on your podcast? He go on to the Everesting Hall of Fame. Yeah. And uh, his first one he ever did was called the Dadu Bastard. The Dadu Bastard. He yeah. did it on Dadu Shan. I don't know what hill it is because I'm not familiar it's with that It's the one area. outside of Taichung. You see it when you get on the HSR, okay. between the HSR and the coast. It's only like 400 meters, so he must have done it. He did a, a load of times. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you read my article next Saturday. It's, the second half is an interview with him. The first half is explaining what everything is because it's really popular this year because all the bike events are canceled and everything you do it on your own. So social distancing and uh, lack so of international flight. 8,000 meters of climbing. 8,848. 8, yeah, in one day. No, in one go, you're not allowed yeah. to sleep. You're not allowed to sleep. Yeah, so that p most people try to do it within 24 hours, but you're not obliged. Impossible. I mean, one guy did it on a <laughs> unicycle, for God's sake. <laughs> I used to ride a unicycle, that hurts. <laughs> 400 meters takes me about an hour. So that would be like basically 24 hours of climbing. Anyway, the world record was beaten a week ago, two weeks ago, the 3rd of October. Yeah. And uh, What is it? Do you know he, offhand? Yeah, six hours, 59 minutes. Holy he just got under seven shit. hours. But six months ago was the first time anyone went under eight hours. Because no one did this. But this year, the oh, right. Tour de France was put back and every, all the local races, no one can fly internationally to race. Right. And you can't race because of social distancing. Yeah. You have to wear a mask and race at the same time or whatever. But... Uh, you just do this on any hill. I mean, on the website, it says you can even do it on your own drive, assuming you have a, a big enough house on a hill. <laughs> you can do it on a bridge. You could just go, you know, up some bridge over the, the river. Oh, so wait a second. Only upward movement counts, right? So when you go up, say, 400 meters, you have to roll down. Yes. And that time counts against your total time? That time has added in, yeah. So they've been choosing. They've been in, bring the six world records in the last six months. And each one, they, they find a straighter road and a steeper road. And yeah, they, yeah. they take all the cogs off the back of their cassette, except for the ones <laughs> they know they're going to need for that gradient. Because you only need, you know, if they get a steady gradient, you only need one cassette. So you can right, save weight. Right, right, right. Um, and and the, the Irish guy was the, the, the previous holder. He cut his handlebars down to the minimum, <laughs> took everything like his water <laughs> bottle cages off. And, <laughs> I mean, these bikes are not UCI compliant. Too of course. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you really have to like plan this to get it within any reasonable time period. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, I would love to have a go, but it's, it's way out of my league. Yeah, I um, couldn't possibly ever do that. Uh, it's just madness. I asked this Bryce, who's won the Biking Man, which is this, I don't know, three-day, two-and-a-half-day event where they ride around Taiwan, but the long way over the hills and back again and blah, 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 and he went that. And I said, so was that hard? He said, oh, that's pretty hard. And I said, and how about the, uh, how does it compare with Everest thing? And he was like, oh, God, no. I said, <laughs> out of 10, how hard is an Everest? He's like, can I only have 10? <laughs> I mean, he was, but he's done three. So the first one he three. did was on the Dadu Bastard. And yeah. he said the worst thing about it was it was just repetitive and you've got so many chances to give up yeah you have to beat yourself each time you turn up that hill yeah yeah and he so that's an interesting way to look at it. yeah because i've been toying with that you're doing it like on this 1.3 kilometer section and i'd have to do it 135 times or something because it only goes up 65 meters <laughs> <laughs> so um but it's right by my house and that you know so i could kind of 
give up easily. That's a problem. So the second time he did it, he did like three ascents of, of the KOM up yeah. ruling from Hualien. And he, he, he does, he, uh, Bryce is an amazing guy. He's very interesting. Uh, and he, so he doesn't have a support vehicle. He doesn't have people from National Geographic filming him and all these other people do this kind of stuff. And he, he just did it by himself, just went out and did it. And so he said, oh, he knew that, the, the, you know, because there's very few uh, restaurants and shops on that road. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing there. 1,200 meters, 800 meters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he hid food and water in the bushes for him to go back and collect on his nighttime sections. Wow. Stuff. So this, are you allowed to take a car back down? No. So you have to do the whole thing on the bike, up and down? Yeah. You, I don't think you have to do the last down, no. Oh, right. But he would have done because he didn't have a support vehicle. Sure. So. <laughs> he didn't have any choice. Yeah. <laughs> was an Australian down. guy who did it four times, like two years ago. Uh -huh. and, the, and the last one he did, I think he's Australian. And the last one he did in the race, the KOM race that yeah. I'm doing in two weeks time. Um, and, but he talks about sleeping. So I think he might be uh, dodgy. I think, I think the Hells 500, which is the club that, that runs the Hall of Fame for this thing, they should yeah. check him out. But anyway, he did in the race and he came like within the top 100, having already rin, ridden three times up. So he'd already <laughs> done his, his Everest <laughs> and then he did a fourth one in the race. <laughs> I'll have to settle for like Pikes Peaking or something. <laughs> How tall is that? Matterhorn, I don't, you know, like 4,000 oh, meters. Yeah, well, they, they do that one. They, they have the base camp where you have to do Everest base camp. Yeah, yeah. 16, and then in Taiwan, they do the Yushan. You said, oh, so right. you want to cycle 3,952? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you could do that. Yeah. Maybe. Shall we do that next week? Uh, you can write about it in your column. <laughs> <laughs> and so Turton expired on the third hill. <laughs> I've been up hills with you. You forget. I, I had to, I had to drag I you up to Wuling. <laughs> <laughs> I had to tempt you with uh, jelly babies or something. Something, like, yeah. Le leaving a trail of them for me to eat on the way up. <laughs> that was a, a while back. That was a long time ago. That was one of the first big hill rides I did, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. we had that interesting uh, Steve with us on that occasion. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that was a fun one. No, that we did that one from Pooley, didn't we? That yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. We but did that from Pooley. Us, yeah, he was with us. Oh. That one, we got up to the top and it started to rain. It went from it like 24C <laughs> to 12C in like five minutes. I've we, been up there like four times this year yeah. and it rains every time. It's just, uh, that's why I don't like doing it. And basically, then, frankly, the views are better on so many other roads. I mean... The road between uh, Li Shan and Daoyuling is much prettier. Yeah, yeah, than, yeah, yeah. That's, than, uh, yeah. that's the first one I ever Uling. did when I way back when before this thing existed. Yeah, you know, I'm like from Watches Fishes generation. I mean, the first time I did the Round Island was like '92, '93 when I first came, mm. and nobody in Taiwan owned a bike. I mean, people thought because of my dark skin that I was a, a Wailao. Uh, right. a migrant worker right, right. because only only kids that were too young to ride scooters and old people and Wailao rode bikes. Yeah, yeah. But it was great. Well, you were a kind of Wailao. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Who were you writing for back then? 92 you came for the first time, huh? Yeah. I know I came as a student. Oh, okay. But I wrote for um, China News. China News, yeah. The Blue Top. Sure. I wrote for them too way back when. Yeah. And I used to write in letters and then uh, they became the Taiwan News, right? Yep. Yeah. And then they were, for a while, they were a serious newspaper printed and everything. Yeah, I'm sure when I came by this time, you were saying pitch some stuff to them now. Yeah, but then what happened was they went through this iteration where they became like a one-person thing and they just posted whatever came out of the CNA and they put up ads and stuff and it looked awful. Then they had three or four people putting stuff there and then finally they revamped it. It was acquired by one of the major corporations. I was going to say, was it not corporations? Because it was a family-owned thing. Yeah, it's a family-owned yeah. thing. And now, they, now, right. it's the, now they're working to make it a real newspaper. Okay. So they've got, you know, it has a nice layout and they, they report on stuff. They do... Some original stories. 
So my original, my first, very first piece was about Chinese chess. And the idioms from Chinese chess that are used in everyday life. In, in Chinese language. Yeah, that yeah. people use as kind of, you know, idioms of speech that derive from the, Chinese, the game of Chinese chess. I, I don't think I know any of those idioms. <laughs> uh, my Chinese pronunciation is so horrible. Even okay, we won't time. do it then. Fang ma ho pao. Which means? Uh, putting fang uh, ma, put your horse uh, ho pao behind your cannon. Put your horse behind your cannon. Yeah, because the cannon had to take a piece. It's unlike Western chess. It's a, the cannon is a unique piece of Chinese chess yeah. that jumps over a piece to attack. Right. It moves like a car, like a rook in right. Western chess. Like you know, you're dragging your cannon around, but then to, to shoot, you have to shoot over something. Right. So either over one of your own pieces, uh, like your horse, yeah, uh, which is moved pretty much like a knight in Western So chess. what does it mean? It means uh, don't do things in the wrong order. Oh, or, okay. Uh, you know, people often say when you make a mistake, they'll, you know, they'll advise you not to do it. And it's kind of, well, it's a little bit late for <laughs> They're just, you know, uh, recording that wisdom for you. This is what you learned from this error. <laughs> I mean, I should have checked. I know we're going to be talking about other stuff apart from cycling today. I could have checked out my very first article. I probably got it on file somewhere. No. <laughs> so you were here then in 92. And how long were you here for? I, I, am, I came for, to do my... So I did a I did a degree, degree in Chinese literature and a little bit of language, but my tones are. And that's why you have awful. no hair now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was in Edinburgh University back in the early nineties, uh -huh. and then you get sent abroad. Any language course, you get sent abroad for a year. Sure. And and I was working as a comedian in the summer season around Europe. So I came for six months, went back for six months, came back for six months, and I got picked up to work in a theme park in Liufuzhen. No way, as a comedian. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. In, in Chinese, yeah. In Chinese. Yeah, yeah. So I just said, I just said, it was, it was. I got picked up. I was just about to leave to go back to do another summer season, you know, in in Europe at the festival circuit, and uh, I, I met this eight. I'd been, I'd been performing at some wedding party or something here, mm -hmm. and I was, I had this eight foot tall unicycle. Yeah, was, sure. And I was cycling home on the unicycle from the gig because <laughs> pushing an eight foot unicycle on the street, you're not going to get it on the bus. Right, right. There was no MRT way back then. Sure. I remember. Um, so I was, just, you know, you can't push an eight foot unicycle down the, the sidewalk. <laughs> so I was riding it back, and this uh, agent for the theme park picked me up. And you were riding an eight foot unicycle on the sidewalk in Taiwan in the 1990s. Well, I put it on the street. Actually, on the street, on the okay. Even, the, that's a, almost as bad. It was much more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Taxi drivers and bus drivers are nasty now. Oh God, back then. Well, that's why I live in Taichung because it kind of reminds me of Taipei in those days, right? Well, you think Taipei's improved? It has. I still oh, get every single day riding a bike. I still get slammed to the curb by a, a bus driver. Well, that's the well those guys. But generally, things and have improved drivers. a lot here. Yeah, yeah. Because we've all got kids who've got bikes. Maybe. I mean, that's the other. Oh, well, we're jumping around here a bit, but I, that's the big thing I was going to say was changed that you know from having nobody had bikes suddenly like 10, 15 years, everybody has a bike now. Yeah, it's part of being Taiwanese. And has a high-end bike. That's yeah, so of course. Expensive. Of course. <laughs> and you, you pass, going up a hill. I don't know why, because Taipei is full of hills. Taiwan is full of hills. Yeah. Say. And Taipei, you can't go very far without having to go up a hill. Right. And yet a lot of people are not that great at cycling up hills. So you go out on a Saturday or Sunday with the weekend cyclists out and you pass these bikes that cost like half a million NT. Yeah. But they're on, but they're on 52, 39 fronts, right? Trying to climb these hills with, with huge cogs in the back yeah. and struggling. So uh, but uh, this is the big thing. So I went, went home. This, we're really jumping ahead. Let's go back, but let's do it while we're talking about this. Yeah. Um, 
we uh, we can always. I'm sure you can always edit these things into the right order. <laughs> you, you whiz kids of podcasting. You mean like put the horse behind the can? Oh, never mind. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Really good. So if we just pause for a second, then and you can cut that back in after. We sure. The, he, so anyway, I I went home for five years and came back recently, and the big change that's taking place is. Before I left, people would say, you know, what do you ride? What, what bike do you have? Mm. That was like, look, it, it, people just, you know, were all about having a Pinarello or a whatever. Yeah. And then the next thing after that was, what do you wear? And they all had this really flash gear. And I come back, it's a British band, this uh, brand, the, the Rafa that Ed was into. Yeah, yeah. And now they're switching over like VB, which costs, you know, like 10,000 NT a garment. Yes. But oh. this is not the emphasis now. People, you meet someone, they, they don't say, what do you wear or what do you ride? They say, you know, what have you done? Yeah. Have you done the run island? Finally. Have you done the, yeah. Finally. So they're getting there. I mean, a lot, most people have given up. Most people have their bike sat at home and never ride them. Well, they, it's, they switched to jogging is what happened. Is it? Uh, there was a lot of people who switched from biking to jogging. And I expect them to switch back in 10 Once years. After they <laughs> beat them the heck out of their bodies. Yeah. But there was a... Because it was cheaper, right? You bike, you have to like, you have to, you have to arrange things. You know, you got to have the bike. You spend a lot of money, but shoes, eh, a couple thousand NT yeah. and you run and you're set. Not even now. They're all running in these kind of flip-flop things. Yeah. That cost like 400 NT. Oh, God. <laughs> they're okay. I have a pair. They're okay. <laughs> I wouldn't race in though. I don't think they're cornering. No. Not too good. Anyway, so we're jumping ahead. So yeah, I came here as a student and then I stayed on because I got this gig. And then while I was in the theme park, so I've got a three-month contract in, in Leofordson, which yeah. was then just changing from being a safari park into a, like a Disneyland style theme park. Uh-huh. Uh, it, was, it must be like 94, 95. I remember it was a safari park. Yeah. I have this vague memory of that. Yeah. yeah. So they kept that bit, but then they added all these, you know, Wild West section and the uh, Hawaiian section, or the South Sea section, South yeah. Pacific section and stuff. And an Arabian section. I mean, really kitsch, but whatever um imagine a kids the theme thing, park the other thing that changed <laughs> in the 90s was people went from a six-day working week to a five-day working week yeah yeah that was if people ask me what's the biggest thing you know is it is it democracy coming in is it what you know whatever it was the change from the six-day week to the five-day week you used to say to people in chinese you know what what are your what are your hobbies and they would say what does hobby mean right I had that conversation so many times. Yes. Say, you know, what you do in your spare yeah. time? And maybe they would say something like, oh, I'm learning English. So, oh, you're really interested in learning English? No, I, if I learn English, I can get the intermediate pass and I can get a promotion or right. I can keep my job. Yeah. And that's what changed. People went to a five-day working week. They had a two-day weekend. Instead of lying in bed on Sunday recovering and washing their clothes and what have you, they actually started doing stuff. So that's why biking could take off. Yeah. And hill yeah. walking and... All that you know, stuff. These were all really minority. You know, it was old people used to go hill walking. Right. And now, and now everyone does it, yeah. yeah. So but this is the biggest change in Taiwan, I would say, was this, this switch. I mean, it was, it was incremental, wasn't it? It went like a five and a half day week and then a five day and it was blue collar was behind white collar. Blue collar still behind. Yeah. You know, I, I, was, I was out last night with a woman who works six days and she's not unusual. She works in uh, retail, right? No? Yeah, she's yeah, in a retail service. Yeah. Kind of everywhere. Yeah, different. so those guys work you know, yeah. while everyone's overworked, but... It's yeah, so that, was, that was a big change. So, and then, so when I was in the theme, so they, people, and the other thing was, people didn't have the habit of having hobbies. And so it was like, what am I going to do with this extra weekend? I got to look after the kids oh, this no. extra day. Oh, this theme park's open. Okay, let's go there. <laughs> and so, so suddenly these theme parks opened all over the place. I mean, I worked a few of them after I left Leo Putsun. I did, I got picked up by an agent. I used to work those Gongdi show, mm -hmm. which are pretty, pretty low 
quality things but paid awfully well yeah sure um, and i've met some of the biggest stars in taiwan right yeah this was in the 90s late yeah, 90s yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, mid 90s mid 90s yeah. yeah those are what those were the days mm. and then i worked in another a couple of theme parks i don't know that one. did it close yeah and that's I've why still I got, i've still got a, a penny farthing style bicycle somewhere in the the, the basements of somewhere out there <laughs> and i worked in one piece year down in tainan uh-huh in fact when i graduated from university finally i went back and finished my course i had two years still to do and i finally went back and finished and i got a job in hong kong 97 uh-huh. and that an internship in a translation magazine and that i lost because tony blair was kicking up trouble about you know the handover to, to china or hong right kong. right and so i came back and the, oh and i'd already arranged to go to this one piece yeah this uh this theme park down in Tainan, right by the coast. Uh, Off the Gold Coast Jiao there? Or Liu Jiao or something. Yeah. Down in Tainan. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I turned up and I'd had that range for the summer and then I was going to go to, uh, to Hong Kong for this internship for a year. And I turned up at the theme park and they're like, I said, oh, I don't recognize you. Who are you? And they go, who are you? And they'd sold it and just hadn't bothered to tell me that, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd hired me for the <laughs> summer season. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they sold it and they they bought a new one uh, called green world up in uh yeah i know that one up there in uh Tana, no, it's like east shinju or something in neiwan or yeah yeah is beipu if you drive around beipu you see all the signs for it yeah yeah, yeah. a lot so of they, kids they said, well there. we can give you a job here and i went out and checked it out it's like wait you don't actually have any people <laughs> and i've done so many i mean i worked in leofordson for the like nine months through the winter i mean including the winter yeah. and i'd done dogs you know shows for like one person and a dog you know or a couple <laughs> of dogs would turn up and i'd like do a show anyway <laughs> so i really wasn't really in the mood to um to perform for nobody but i got a, another job and i that was great so i came back and i did performing on the weekend and translation mm-hmm. got myself a portfolio of clients you work for the government don't you no 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 i didn't one job in my life and that was four years for the gio the for government the, information office or the ministry of propaganda as the, it's really the called. ministry of truth <laughs> <laughs> when was that okay so uh what happened i went on holiday so i worked in these i worked freelance translating mostly for museums because i wanted to go back and do a phd was my right. plan wasn't it for all of us or you did finish yours no i never finished mine. okay so i was <laughs> <laughs> so many of us <laughs> half phds half out here. abds or whatever <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I didn't even get that far i applied for one or two and oh, didn't follow it through uh, so that was my plan so i was going to work in in uh, museums and i would learn about language about culture about history and stuff and it was great and that's what i did um I've lost the plot. What happened? You were talking. Oh yeah, so I went on holiday one time, and then I uh, someone sent me a. Uh, I was on the beach in Thailand, and someone said, "Hey, the GIO, as always, we're looking for for translators and oh, uh, yeah. stuff." And so I applied from the beach, and I got it. And they said, "Okay, um, turn up on Monday." And I'm like, um, "I'm on the beach in in an island, you know, in southern Thailand. I can't make it." And so they get the job to someone else. They can't wait, you know, for a, a week or two. For the person who came top in the test, they'd rather take the pregnancy second who's available now. Right. Not so Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they said, oh, well, when you do turn up, um, you know, come and see us. So I, you know. So I, you did. I messed around for a little while and then I went in. So that was for the magazine section that's now called Taiwan Journal? Taiwan. It was Taiwan Review and then it became Taiwan. Today? Taiwan Today, is it? No, ta- Panorama or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that one. So that would be my <laughs> kind of dream job because it's serious. I mean, serious writing and a good photography and stuff. Yeah, it's all deep uh, stuff. It's all deep, yeah, deep yeah, dive yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, but because I could translate as well as write, then I got a job in the translation section. And uh, 
worked there for a couple of years and then I switched to the the journal section with the uh-huh. old Free China Weekly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it was the Free China Review was yes, the monthly yes. and the Free China Weekly was the weekly. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a student, we used to get sent that. That was the Chan Swabian years? We used to snigger about it. So uh, when I was a student, it wasn't. That was early 90s. Yeah. Right? But it was the Free China Weekly. Yeah. So it changed under the Chan Swabian to the Free China Journal. And it, yes, I was. I started in 2003. Right. I was there through all the Annette Lou shot in the knee stuff. Yes. And I left in 2007 for personal Just reasons. before the election, yeah. And uh, I shouldn't really mention this, but I will. Um, <laughs> I, oh, the other thing was you... Turn up the gain, turn up the gain. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I was friendly with the vice minister or whatever, the vice, the number two of the GIO. Mm-hmm. And so when I left the GIO under, you know, certain circumstances, she offered me a job. Oh, nice. Uh, to, to work as a translator for the Democratic Pacific Union NGO. Oh, cool. You, you know about that? Never heard of it. So that was Annette Lou's baby. All right. So first day I turned up in the, in the office, the big pile of papers, you know, two feet high on my desk. And I, and I was told, you know, read your way through those. And, uh, they were all her speeches for the last 30 years and they were all the same. Of course. And they, so they, they say, okay, she's going to make a speech to this Democratic Pacific thing, write the speech. So I wasn't there as a translator at all. I was Annette Lou's speechwriter. Cool. Former vice president. Wow. So she'd had a, a, a official translator when she was vice president and he'd quit the day that she lost the job. And that's why they hired me as her new speechwriter, but they didn't tell me. And uh, so you and actually Lou, wrote for people who don't know is an interesting character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing, so she had this this speech that she'd always given, and I was trying to get her to do new stuff. So I put a load of of green environmental stuff in, not PPP mm. green, but environmental stuff. And she was like, "Yeah, I love that, love that. Keep that in." And then and then every edit we did, it she'd take a bit out and a bit out and a bit out, and it would just end up the same old speech that she'd always done. So I quit after ten months or so. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, but it was interesting. It was a sure. Uh, but the funny thing is, she then went on to become a you know environmentalism became her big thing, right? And vegetarian and bike riding and and that Lou bike riding. Yeah. I didn't realize she, that. No, okay. So I shouldn't. She promoted it. She didn't really do it herself. Oh, okay. So I was going to say she would appear on the TV bits that she'd be riding. Oh, on yeah. These, you know, hundreds of cyclists. And that <laughs> I'm going to get sued, aren't I? I think we'll edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I worked there. Yeah. So it was an interesting period of Taiwan's recent political history. Recent yeah. History. So you went back and then you came back. So, no, I was in many stages. I left, so that was 2007. Yeah. And then I went back into freelance translation and I got a lot more into the, the comedy scene here, stand-up comedy. Yeah, I, did I a met bit you in doing Chinese stand-up. And that was pretty awful because <laughs> of my accent. <laughs> right. <laughs> and a lot of my stuff is based on, on the poetry, comic poems. And sure. And, uh, well, I've so read I, your comic poems. They're hilarious. They're really good. Thank you very much. Shall we do one now? No. <laughs> you mean ad lib hip hop style? <laughs> uh, and then 2014, I went home to look after my aged mother. Yeah. And that was, and she, we, I'm from Manchester, England, but she had had enough of Manchester after 50 years. And she, so we moved to Scotland, lived by the sea. And I wrote, started writing lyrics for a, a, a band. And then when my mum passed away, I joined the band. And then yeah, I did sing, but, you know, supposedly, backing vocals 
And, but I did the front thing. So we, I wrote quirky songs, comic songs and quirky songs. And we toured Scotland. It was great. It was like, I was 55 or something. And we were uh, touring Scotland in a van, like a teenager. Fantastic. I know. It was great. Without the sex and drugs, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> a, half, a half a mile. Well, at 55, either of those will kill you. <laughs> so that was fun. And then, uh, yeah, life brought me back here. Yeah. And... Uh, I had about a year and a half depression <laughs> being back in Taiwan. <laughs> I'm sure there's no no connection. Personal issues, I'm sorry. Anyway, and then when I came out of that, I I approached Taiwan Times and pitched them this article. And I've been riding a lot, though. I, I did the... So let's get back onto some cycling. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I also injured myself when I was living in the UK, trying to run a marathon too fast, and I pulled a muscle. It just won't heal. When you get old, things don't After heal. the problem with my Achilles tendon. Yeah. yeah. On and on. I still there now. Anyway, so last year in about August, I got back on the bike, and they have this interesting event called the Ire Shuangta, the one day two towers. Towers being oh yeah, houses. I know that one. Yeah. So you set off from Fukui Fukui Jiao. Okay. In the very north of Taiwan, up at Suman, and you wait till midnight, and then you set off, and you try and arrive at Erlanbi Kunding, where there's another lighthouse, the very yeah, yeah. of Taiwan. You try and arrive before midnight. So it's like 380 or something, 380k. 510. It's 510. It's really that. They far? call it 520 because Wu Erling. Oh, okay. Well, I, need, I love you, Wu Erling, but it's so that's the nice thing I say because everybody thinks it's 520. I mean, you've been riding all the all day it took me 20 hours yeah and i almost gave up several times i mean it's absolutely the worst thing i ever did and uh, and then you get because i'm a i'm a competitive athlete i race as well and so um you get you've ridden 500 kilometers and you get in a race off against these people around you that we were absolutely hammering the last what they thought was 20 kilometers but i read up and knew it was only 10 so I won this race off <laughs> against these kind of dozen other athletes because they were pacing themselves for 20. So when it got down to the, like, the last kilometer, they thought they had 11 to go and I knew it was one. <laughs> oh, shouldn't tell too many people that because I'm, I'm doing it again this year. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I couldn't average that high a speed over so much Most distance. Yeah. But that's the other thing. It's not that fast because you, you wait until the winter when you've got the, oh, the, winds behind the northeast you. wind. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But they were all bitching about it. They were all like, this wind's not as strong as normal was my first time I'd done it. I think this is absolutely awesome. You know, you're, you're, you're barely pressing the pedals and you're flying along like 35k right, now. Right. <laughs> and then what happens, of course, is you turn after Kaohsiung, you turn uh, slightly into the, to, it, it goes from being, a, you, yeah, you go down the coast for a bit. No, well, you go down the coast the whole way, but from Taipei to Kaohsiung is mostly uh, southwest, right? So you take the 61 the whole way? The, the 15 or the 60. Yeah, the 15 the down to the 61. Yeah. Underneath. Oh, obviously horrible. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't ride it. No, no, no I've never ride that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you do it uh, in this. You just hammer along. Uh, but then you turn. So the, the last bit through Pingchang down at uh, Hangchun Peninsula, whatever it's called, is um, it, it's not, it doesn't have that northeast wind, that, that northeast wind behind you because it's turned slightly. Mm. And you have this side wind that everybody come, it's quite dangerous, in fact. Oh, um, the uh, Lo San Fong comes down off the mountains, blows yeah, you around. Yeah, but what happened when I was in southern, southern uh, Jai, the wind turned. And so it might not have been strong, but instead of having to fight the side wind for the last bit, it was behind us. So we oh, pretty that's much that sweet. Whole way. Yeah. I know, it was such a fun day, but it was horrible. <laughs> it was the worst day of my life. And I met this Czech guy um, in Kaohsiung. We rode, uh, you know, on and off. I saw each other because I was trying to not to ride with people. I was trying to do it solo. But I kept seeing him until he stopped for some beers being Czech. <laughs> and uh, you kept raving about you know you can get Czech beer in the in Seven Eleven now because apparently what's it called 
Urquil or something got bought up by Japanese and so ah, buy that in the supermarket in the right. in seven eleven. So he was like raving about that. And so he had to stop. You know, we've been cycling for, for nineteen hours. He's like, I'm just gonna pop in and have a beer. <laughs> I'd fall right asleep. Clunk. I'd oh, be right out of that like seven. That. Um what was I going to say? Oh, so I said that I met him at the end and we had a few beers, although the 7-Eleven in Erdwambi didn't have these Czech beers, sadly. And we sat around and had a few beers while I waited for my clothes to turn up. Uh, another story. And he said, oh, it's his second time doing it. I was like, are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to do it for a second time. No, I've done it twice already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did it in February before the wind changed. <laughs> and, and, and on that occasion, we used it as a, as a jump off to do a round the island. Yeah. So we did three days. Oh, right, right. 1060 or whatever we did. Cute. Insane. So, well, I'm going to try and do two days this time. Use the... Like, this so wait, I'm, I'm scheduled to cycle with you? Forget it. This day, uh, this day <laughs> no I'm going way. to ride... I'm not going to do solo. I'm going to like hitch lifts on the back of trains. I'll do my share of work. Yeah. Like, you know, like get in the line and get towed down there and hopefully get down there with enough energy to cycle back into the wind <laughs> the second day. I won't, I won't make it, but I'll learn enough to try again later. Right. It's right. my plan. I think I got like a 30% chance of success. But they, they, that brings us back. These, these French guys, there's one called this Bryce. Bryce ben. Benson. Yeah yeah. 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 And so he went out. So he heard about our three day trip uh, and he said, right, he was going to go and do it. And he did it in two days solo. I mean, we were five of us did it in three days, <laughs> like sharing the, the break in the wind and that. Uh, and he went around with it in, in 47 and a half hours, I think. Don't quote me on Jeez. that. I'm interviewing, I interviewed him. He'll be in next week's paper. Oh, fantastic. I'll look forward um, to that. Because he was the first guy to Everest in Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, so that's why he's in next week. Yeah, um, so. And, uh, and then his friend, who's called, he calls JF, yeah french guy you know him no and so he went he went waited apparently according to bryce he sat in a hotel down in kunding and watched the windy app you know that app (laughs) yeah i know that app so he was waiting till he could get a lift up and back down so he was waiting for like a two-day prediction and he he beat bryce's time by half an hour that's bryce's version of jf you'll be listening check in and we'll do your your story as well sometime in fact anybody who's listening if you've got biking stories and let me know. Yeah, I, contact I, Mark. Uh, I need some topics. For contact me. I can put you in touch yeah. with Mark. Yeah, to, to for sure. In the paper. Well, read the bloody paper. Oh, read the paper. <laughs> read my articles. I need uh, and feedback. Positive feedback, please. The last time I had a column in the newspaper, uh, I, it got stopped because there were three columns. One was kind of innocuous. Mine was about culture and history and stuff. Yeah. And the third one was, was, I forget who wrote it, was about, you know, how to get by in, you know, doing business in Taiwan. And loads of people wrote in and, and said, you don't know what you're talking about, mate. And the newspaper wanted to go down to two articles and they cut mine because that guy had more feedback than me. Even though it was negative. Even though it was all negative. (laughs) (laughs) So please, people who listen to Michael's podcast, uh, write in and insult me, but write in anyway. All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. It was wonderful talking with you today. I didn't talk much about cycling though, did we? Hey, it was a good conversation. Okay, we're done. Glad to have you here. We can talk more another time. (laughs) Okay, when my my next book comes out. When your book comes out, that's right. (laughs) okay thanks a lot yeah thanks man nice talking with you this has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report for more content like this become our patron at report.tw